0: Lock Talk Radio. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that has to do with the middle class or anything that has to do with economics is, is is being very very censored in the media it it's really really getting out of hand and uh you know it just, it just seems to be the the way it is you know censor the articles censor censor the web pages um, nobody wants to know what's really going on and uh it's bad enough. Well, Social Security, today a CAO makes $50 million a year pays the same amount into Social Security as someone earning 117000
2: If we lifted the
1: cap and applied the Social Security payroll tax on income above $250,000, we can extend the solvency of Social Security for another 47 years, and that's exactly what my legislation does, and that's Bernie Sanders. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, huh? The horrifying details inside the latest deal reached by Congress. I don't know if you heard this, the spending bill that was passed by Obama. Turns out Wall Street can now gamble with taxpayer backed savings in a bill written mostly by them. Number two, Congress backs marijuana legislation in D.C. Blocks. Not backs, I'm sorry. Blocks. Marijuana legislation. Number three, Congress allows corporations to cut the pensions of 10 million workers. Yes, it allows corporations to cut the pensions of 10 million workers. Huh. Number four, cuts $300 million from housing assistance to the homeless. Yeah. And a five it cuts three hundred million from grants to low income students and gives it to loan collectors. Can you imagine that? Can you absolutely imagine what's going on, folks? Absolutely horrifying. I mean, what is going on? You know, why? What? What? What kind of what, what kind of idiots? What kind of monsters do we have in Congress and in the presidency? What kind of people do this? Oh, totally unbelievable. just talking about just a lot of horrifying details about the latest deal. Wall Street now gamble with taxpayers, but the most horrible thing is they got three hundred million from housing assistance for the homeless. Oh my god.
0: And they've
1: got three hundred million from grants to low income students.
0: And, and gives did, it to the loan collector? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to the banks.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a totally unbelievable. Thing.
0: How what about Wall Street gambling with taxpayer money?
1: Yeah. Back savings in a bill written mostly by them, huh, oh my God,
0: what does it say about social
1: security there Well, I just read that too, yeah, oh boy, yeah you know, it's really it's really staggering, really really, really, really staggering yeah. well, here's another thing that's kind of interesting that uh Obama just came out today with a you know backing Cuba. I don't know if you
0: heard about that. Yes, I did. I heard it on the radio yeah. when I uh,
1: yeah, I came back from on, doing some some uh, Christmas yeah, shopping. Doing Cuba boo 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 boo.
0: I didn't well, really understand exactly what happened. Well, he he
1: yeah, he, he just gave
0: Did he, he gave, go around the Congress?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, he wants to you know, give, uh give um a broker deal with Cuba to you know, to to help expand their, their well, I, I think mean, I think we should be. It makes sense in some ways, but li- li- listen to Rubio who was. Uh, I like know, him. Yeah. And, and Obama said something that kind of made me laugh. I was listening to his speech today, and he said, uh, "You know, we've been working on. We've we've had this policy with Cuba for fifty years.
0: It's ridiculous.
1: Uh, which doesn't work. It hasn't worked. It hasn't done anything for anybody for fifty years." He says, let's try to change that. Hmm. But here again, you have this guy, Rubio, who was a former Cuban or whatever. Well, he's a Cuban he probably from the elite
0: because he yeah, came. They yeah, all,
1: they all were. But Republicans and at least one senator Democrat swiftly condemned Barack Obama's announcement on Wednesday of a normalization of relations between the United States and Cuba. You know, to tell about the Cuban government, released Alan Gross, a prisoner who had been held on that For United 20 years. Charges uh, to try to establish a communications that network outside the government control and another U.S. intelligence agent. The U.S. Uh, United States uh, sent back three Cuban spies in exchange. Mm-hmm. The U.S. will also begin the process of removing Cuba from the list of states that sponsor terrorism. The new approach represents the largest policy change the U.S. opposed this embargo against Cuba in January of 1961 in the aftermath of the Communist Revolution led by Fidel Castro. Well, the Republicans expressed enthusiasm for Grove's release but uh, spoke out against the administration's new approach. House Speaker John Boehner argued that uh, America's policy toward the island nation should not be revisited until the Cuban people enjoy freedom, and not a second sooner. And characterized the move as another you know, long line of mindless concessions to a dictatorship, and it, it goes on. But the the, the 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 key is, you know, I don't I don't necessarily I don't agree with this. That's one of the things I do agree with with Obama. You know, I mean, they're I, ninety miles away. Not only are they ninety miles away, but we've had a failed policy with Cuba for fifty years.
0: So let's change it. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, let's try to I mean, maybe it
1: makes sense to do something different, you know what I mean? But doesn't that make sense? sense. Uh, to me it does. not make sense to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. I think but, it makes sense to change but the But it made policy. a lot of sense, you know, you know. And and you got a couple of uh, spies back and all that kind of stuff. And we're sending their people back. I mean, it's yeah, ridiculous I mean,
0: keeping people in
1: prison. For yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. I
0: can't get
1: this. To get us the U.S. middle level.
0: class, that would be an interesting one. Yeah, point. it was. It was well, let like, me read this from the AFL-CIO yeah. blog now. Yeah. Every three years, the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College issues the National Retirement Risk Index, taking a look at the percentage of American households that are at risk of seeing a decline in the quality of life after retirement. In the recently released report for 2013, 52% of households were at risk, a marginal improvement from the 2010 risk of 53%. The result is surprising, considering the rise in the stock market over those three years and the beginning of a rebound in housing prices. Two factors that are key in influencing the overall retirement security picture. Let's see what else that says. it says here. It always takes a minute. Since 2010, stock equity prices increased by 40% adjusted for inflation, a factor that should help improve retirement security. That fact was offset that the gains were concentrated in the top one-third of the income distribution, a group that holds some 90% of stock equity. So most Americans didn't benefit from that increase. Housing prices, which are much more wide in their impact, only rose about 6% in real terms. That modest increase and the decline in the percentage of households owning homes only improved the index slightly. Much of the improvements in the stock and housing market, however, was offset. First, in the continued phasing in of the raising of the Social Security full retirement age from 65 to 67, delaying the onset of benefit payouts for a significant portion of households. Second, a decrease in interest rates means households get less income from assets such as 401Ks, IRA balances, and reverse mortgages on homes. Finally, a revision in reverse mortgages rules that lowered the percentage of houses' value that borrowers could receive via reverse mortgages, lowered potential income as well. The lack of progress is particularly problematic because it means we haven't recovered from previous shocks to the retirement security system for working families. The share of Americans at risk is far higher now than in the past. In the 1980s, fewer than one-third of Americans were at risk compared to more than half today. And the report shows that the younger you are and the lower your income, the more likely you are to be at risk in the future. So, oh. younger, lower-income people aren't going to have much of a retirement.
1: Okay, two months out, there are tons so things. This is kind of freaky too. Thousands of vets are getting dishonorably discharged because they have post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, a new defense spending bill requires servicemen and women who are discharged to have their cases reviewed by mental health professionals, and we need to bridge the gap in mental health care for veterans. Yeah. Well, two months after attempting suicide and receiving a less than honorable discharge from the Army, Christopher uh, Goldsmith received a post traumatic stress disorder diagnosis from the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. Despite confirmation of his mental ailment, the Washington Post <laughs> reports that the war photographer couldn't receive student aid uh, through the post 911 GI bill because of his improper removal. But the aid, but the tied may be changing for Goldsmith and countless other veterans suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress, seeking reclassification of their dismissal. A defense spending bill that Congress sent to President Obama last week includes a mandate requiring that servicemen and women discharged uh, have their cases reviewed by at least one mental health professional. Veterans with mental illnesses found to have been improperly discharged without their benefits would also have their records corrected under this year's National Defense Authorization Act. Mm -hmm. We must ensure that the men and women of our military who risk their lives to protect our country receive the care they earned, said Christian Gildebrandt, said in this statement on Friday. Gildebrand along with Senators John Tester and Richard Blumenthal separately sponsored the provision as part of the effort to ensure that the government doesn't deny veterans their benefits, including medical care, disability compensation, and student made. Too many of our service members have been discharged as a result of an undiagnosed or improperly diagnosed mental health condition, said Gilda Brown. According to a 2010 report, the U.S. Army discharged nearly 1,000 service members with a three-year span or what they described as a personal personality disorder. While well, the personality disorders of P, uh, post traumatic stress uh, uh,
0: disorder, share similarities, yeah. Army officials consider the former to be a pre existing condition. As a result, discharged servicemen and women who receive such a diagnosis can't collect their benefits. In September, the federal government granted benefits to thousands of Vietnam era veterans who had their PTSD which may have contributed to their actions that caused their dishonorable discharge, misdiagnosed. The the announcement uh, culminated months of litigation by advocacy group Vietnam Vietnam Vets for America, which filed a class action lawsuit alleging that more than 80,000 of the 250,000 discharged veterans could prove that they suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder.
1: A lawsuit took place amid a, a controversy stemming from a CNN investigation that highlighted the Veterans Health Administration's mm-hmm. struggle to keep up with a growing case the growing caseload of veterans suffering from uh, post traumatic stress, uh, brain injuries, limb amputation, and diabetes since the Bush administration. Even as new information surfaced, many review boards have been reluctant to upgrade discharges in decade old cases even when veterans uh, present new information that verifies the post-traumatic stress disorder caused their misconduct.
0: The Department of Veterans Affairs' lethargic response in turn has affected discharged military personnel who served in the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, many of whom face financial and emotional burdens because of extremely punitive sanctions informed by misdiagnosis of their mental health. According to a survey conducted by the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America earlier this year, more than 60% of veterans had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injuries. When left untreated, post-traumatic stress disorder can cause high alertness and increase adrenaline in the veterans, even in the most mundane situations. Experts say that feelings of self-guilt that have been suppressed on the battlefield can explode into feelings of anger and rage that can force a person to isolate themselves from others. Such pain can eventually manifest into thoughts of suicide as experienced by 30% of respondents in the survey. As alarming new information is released regarding suicide among service members and veterans, we have reached a point where we need to send up a flare and author real solutions. Paul Rickhoff? Uh, veterans IAVA, that's the Veterans Organization founder and CEO, told lawmakers in March during a joint House and Senate Veterans Affairs Committee hearing, a concerted effort, national effort, is needed to combat suicide and reverse the trend of high suicide rates among service members and veterans as an issue that has been inadequately addressed for too far too long. With Congress latest move, Rickoff hopes, may come to fruition. Goldsmith, who unsuccessfully applied twice to have his status upgraded to an honorable discharge, called the provision a step in the right direction in bridging the gap in mental health care for veterans, especially those who leave the battlefield because of post-traumatic stress disorder. Justice is finally within reach for the countless veterans who, like me, have been inappropriately discharged from the military due to an improperly or undiagnosed service-related illness and injury, Gullsworth said in the statement. Yeah.
1: Uh, it, it's frightening what happens to
0: these poor guys. They're is. so young when they go over there and they don't really realize no. what they're doing. you know, and, and they, you know and it just,
1: it just uh, really, it
0: really is. is. Yeah. Well, let's expand the winners and losers of the week that the AFL-CIO... Remarks on the winner, is Sherrod Brown, who plans to introduce legislation to expand Social Security. I don't know who he is, but I'm glad <laughs> he's introducing it. Yeah. And the runner up is Moo Cluck Moo for showing that a restaurant can pay its workers $15 an hour and still make profits. Loser, Michigan State Representative Earl Polsky, a Republican who is using the state's lame-duck session to push legislation that would preempt local government's ability to protect workers. And the runner-up is, of course, Cablevision, after a federal administrative law judge ruled that the company broke labor law in trying to prevent Brooklyn and Bronx workers from organizing. Yeah, those commu- That communications industry is kind of a mess, I think. The one in Maine was having issues, too, if you remember.
1: Yeah.
0: they were on, The workers were on strike forever. I don't really know what happened in that. No, I'm not sure either.
1: Oh. Here's
0: one. 25 million reasons to give thanks for Social Security. The National charity of Social Insurance recently examined Census Bureau data and found that the social insurance insurance programs have made a significant dent on the number of people living in poverty in the U.S. More than 45 million people, 14.5% of the population, lived in poverty in 2013. But those numbers would be significantly larger if it weren't for programs such as Social Security, unemployment insurance, workers' compensation, and supplemental security income. These four programs... Together, kept nearly 25.4 million people out of poverty in 2013, including 1.9 million children, more than 8.4 million adults younger than 65, and more than 15.1 million adults 65 or older. Social Security alone lifted more than 22.1 million people out of poverty in 2013, including nearly 1.2 million children. More than 6.2 million adults younger than 65, and 14.7 million adults older than 65. So it's doing a great job. So when they tell you it's no good, they're lying to you folks. They just want the money. That's the Republican idea. Any money they see, they want in their pocket, not in your pocket, in their pocket. So they do that by giving themselves tax breaks. Which they give to themselves regularly, and they're
1: increasing well, rush Limbaugh Rush Limbaugh announced uh, revealed the perfect ticket for two thousand probably Jeb Bush, yeah well, in the wake of Jeb Bush's announcement he's actively exploring a run president God
0: help
1: radios so. Rush Limbaugh revealed that he calls the perfect ticket to win the White House. the ideal and perfect ticket for the uh election, Hillary Clinton Jeb Bush said okay. Rush Limbaugh sarcastically on his top-rated broadcast. <laughs> so now they can figure out who's on top of the ticket on their own. Limbaugh did not say he was sporting the ticket, but selected their names based on recent trends in, in uh, uh, American politics with the two major parties being so similar on key issues. This is a ticket made in heaven. I can't recall a time in my life when a presidential and a vice presidential candidate are so close to each other, he explained.
0: <laughs>
1: when you compare their positions, Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush on the key important issues. There are two peas in the same pod. And by the way, Barbara Bush loves Bill Clinton, says so publicly, and the Clinton family and the Bush family are very, very tight. Uh, they are very close.
2: There is never a
1: negative or critical word uttered by the Bush or Clintons uh, or a Bush by a Clinton. This is made in order the way both parties want amnesty. And uh, Jeb Bush wants it. Hillary wants it. Both parties want to win the nomination. And Hillary, by running away from the Democratic base, Jeb, by running away from the Republican base. And this is an ideal combination. Oh, God, help us. When it comes to Obamacare, National health care, both parties care about their donors more than their voters, and both parties are the exact same donor class. So Rush Limbaugh is finally telling the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The moderates in the Republican Party are scared to death of Hillary Clinton. They're petrified that better ways to deal with the fear of Hillary Clinton than to put her on a ticket. The Democrats probably have the same fear of uh, uh, as the Bushes.
2: well, Limbaugh
1: said that such a dream ticket, the political system would see incredible bipartisanship crossing the aisle, the United government, no more good luck, key- uh, agreements on all the important issues that people vote on, and Clinton Bush, two sixteen you'd choose the top on Tuesday. Limbaugh said of uh, <laughs> bush like the g o p run He's being looked at as a savior by the big money donor class and the consultant class, the establishment of the party to head off the Tea Party. They're going to pull out all the stops to make sure that a Tea Party-type conservative doesn't get the nomination. It could be a sacrificial run just to make sure that a conservative doesn't get the nomination in 2016. And there's a whole bunch of stuff under the surface here that's percolating and effervescing, and it's all about... Use us being the number one enemy of these people. It's really interesting, but for him to choose, for him to choose Hillary and Jeb as the as running mates, I, I think that that that's probably pretty true. It's finally coming around. <laughs> the Republican Party is dominated now by what is called the par- parlance of the day, the donor class, the big big donors. Limbaugh continues. So when you hear Jeb or anybody else seek he- Republican nomination. They start talking about doing it without winning the base. They're trying to, to come up with a way to win the party domination. Win, win the party without uh, owning anything to the to the Tea Party. Well, their wildest dream is to run to the Tea Party conservatives as a irrelevant factor. And one of the primary reasons for that is that what the donors want. The donors rule the roost. The donors have the big money, and the donors determine in part large part what the party does and clearly that's what happened here in this budget deal is clearly what's happened with Amnesty.
0: A lot of this talk
1: about the Jet candidacy is an attempt to see if they can
0: actually, once and for all in a primary setting, relegate the Tea Party and members that are elected, such as Ted Cruz and Mike Lee Impotent. On Wednesday show as he analyzed potential Republican presidential candidates <coughs> who are actually conservative, Limbaugh said. If the Republican Party has a success story, it's Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. But he wondered aloud if the GOP leadership thinks Walker is a Tea Party kook. I just wonder if they think Scott Walker is too Tea Party at the Republican establishment, he said. The excitement at the Republican establishment is Bush, Romney, and Christie. That's who they're getting all jazzed
1: up about. <clears throat> well, I don't like Scott Walker. And I don't, again, yeah, I don't should, like any of those people. But nobody likes any of those guys. Um, <clears throat>
0: uh, yeah, Seven that. reasons uh, fast track is off. During the secret discussion of the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal, extreme corporate ish- interests are pushing for a fast track process that would not only hurt working families, in the U.S., but in other countries, involved in any final deal. Here are seven reasons why fast-track is off the track. People oppose it. More than 60% of the voters oppose fast-track for the TPP free trade deal. Number two, it doesn't reflect modern values. Fast-track is a copy of the approach to trade taken by President Richard Nixon, pursuing the passage of trade deals, regardless of the effect a deal might have on wages, jobs, small business, and the environment. Number three, it's a job killer. Past trade deals have cost American jobs in large numbers. For example, the North American Free Trade Agreement led to the loss of 682,000 jobs. Number four, it makes it harder for workers to get a raise. Previous fast-track deals have depressed wages and weakened the rights of workers to organize and collectively bargain. Number five, it increases inequality. Previous trade deals have greatly exacerbated CEO-to-worker pay disparities so that the current ratio is 354 to 1. It's undemocratic. Fast-track limits debate and prohibits amendments and doesn't give the public the opportunity to influence the process. Number seven, it gives corporations more power. By including invested-to-state dispute settlement provisions, Foreign investors in the U.S. and U.S. investors operating in foreign countries can skip traditional methods of complaining about laws they don't like and sue the nation directly in a private arbitration tribunal made up up of for-profit arbitrators. This would give corporations and foreign markets interest and influence over our economy that the rest of us don't have. I don't like that idea at all.
1: Well, former Texas Republican uh, Ron Paul sees the likely GOP nomination for president in 2016 as none other than his own flesh and blood, Senator Rand Paul. Huh. But the former three-time he presidential hopeful has some words of caution for his son. If he follows his father's footsteps, he very be very cautious. He said, "You could get elected." Republican Paul. Uh, was appearing on NBC's Tonight Show with Jay Leno Thursday night when Leno asked him if he thought his son would run for president. At first, Paul deflected, saying, I never had talked to him about it, but Leno pressed, what advice would you give him? And he said, I would say, be very cautious. You could get elected, answered Paul. This is a risky run in politics. And Leno also asked if Paul's son ran was a Tea Party guy. And he said, I think so. I think when he ran for Senate, he sort of surprised me. I didn't think he would do all that well. But most of the grassroots organization came from two-party groups. That meant people who were sick and tired of both parties because they didn't trust either party. And they were poor people who were sick and tired of big government spending and all the debt. Well, Rand told um, me that uh, the sizes of the nonprofit groups, much, much bigger parties, aren't very popular these days. Your son seemed to be very getting more moderate than me, claimed well, Leno. A couple of weeks ago, I saw him sort of praising President Obama for something he did. If I call him a moderate, it destroys his political career. Paul responded, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> it goes on. But, you know, I I don't really think Rand Paul is a viable candidate. And I think I, he's a bit of a lunatic. He though. is, but so has other people.
0: How about this? Supreme Court rules that companies don't have to compensate workers for required time at work. Using logic so tortured that Dick Cheney would approve, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled this week that companies don't have to compensate workers for required security checkpoint waits that take as long as 30 minutes a day to complete. The ruling overturned a federal appeals court decision in 2013, which held that workers at a warehouse that provides services for Amazon.com should be compensated for the time they were required to go through security checkpoints, whose purpose was to prevent employee theft. The workers don't work directly for Amazon, but are hired by Integrity Staffing Solutions, The outcome of the case is likely likely to affect workers at other companies, such as Apple and CVS, who are currently engaged in similar losses. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I think that's wrong. Hmm.
1: Well, I don't know if you're... I I didn't hear anything about this on the news, but ISIS is back in the news again. It seems they execute... They it executes 150 women for refusing to marry militants in Iraq. Isn't that something? At least 150 females, including pregnant women, were executed in Fallujah by a militant named Abu Anas al-Libi after they refused to accept jihad marriage. Isn't that something? Hmm. According to the Times of India, a statement released by the country's Ministry of Human Rights on Tuesday, said, the militants had attacked women in the western Iraq province of Al Anbar before burying them in mass graves in Fallujah. Oh,
2: Some God. of the women
1: killed were pregnant at the time, according to the uh, agency. ISIS has overrun a large part of western Anbar province as it's pushed to expand its territories across swaths of Iraq and Syria. Many families were also forced to migrate from the province northbound of Al-Wafa after hundreds of residents received death threats. The executions come after the militant group shot dead at least 50 men, women, and children in a tribe massacre in the the province last month. The attack against the Al-Bunabar tribe took place in the village of Ras Al-Nah north of Ramada, a political capital. There, the militant group killed at least 40 men, six women, and four children. A senior tribesman said that they were lined up and publicly killed one by one. An official within the Anbar governor's office corroborated the tribesman account, according to the Associated Press. ISIS also resents, recently published what appeared to be an abhorrent pamphlet providing its followers with guidelines on how to capture, keep, and sexually abuse female slaves. Oh, what, a, what a group. how Unbelievable. Well, anyway. Um, that that's from a viral buzz. Very frightening frightening, frightening. Fri- Absolutely frightening. What's going on here. And why why don't we hear about that in the media? Why don't we hear about that? water. Uh,
0: because, because it's all typed up by the White House yeah. and given for the media to read. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's really and weird. run through bleach. Yeah, run through bleach. Wow. I don't understand. Well, anyway. Hmm. Just legitimate rape? Yeah. Oh,
0: my God. You remember that,
1: that idiot, idiot? Yeah, he idiot. didn't get elected. Who's, who's this no, Todd Aiken? Why yet another lawmaker just used the term legitimate rape? No doubt how many politicians tried to distance themselves from Todd and some of his views sexual assault aren't entirely unusual. All right, let's see that. I mean, so they have more idiots than Congress. Yeah, yeah
0: legitimate so.
1: rape. Uh, more than two years ago, a former senator, our Senate candidate, Todd Atkin, infamously claimed the victims of legitimate rape don't often get pregnant because the female body has ways to try to shut down the whole thing Oh, yeah, right. And at least one of his GOP colleagues is still finding opportunities to work in the controversial phrase. In an interview with Mother Jones to explain this justification for introducing a bill, that requires women seeking an abortion to obtain notarized consent from a man oh, my God. who impregnated them. Missouri State Senate uh, Rep. Rick Bratton said that his uh, legislation includes an exemption for victims of legitimate rape. Just like any rape, you have to report it, and you have to prove it, Brad told Mother Jones, which published his comments on Wednesday. you So you couldn't just go and say, oh, yeah, I was raped and get an abortion. It has to be a legitimate rape. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there's a legitimate rape, you're going to make a police uh, report just as you were, as if you were robbed. Braden made an effort to distinguish his comments from Atkins, saying he was just referring to the common sense idea that victims of sexual assault need to take steps to show that you were raped. Well, mainstream conservative politicians, including Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign, also attempted to distance themselves from Atkins after the legitimate rape comments sparked national backlash saying that his views were not reflective of the Republican Party. Well, GOP strategists even held training sessions to teach candidates to stop making controversial comments about sexual assault. Nonetheless, the idea that some rapes are more legitimate than others, and particularly the underlying assumption that sexual assaults are only valid crimes if they've been reported to the police, is widespread. And policymakers have been writing it into our laws for years. Bratton is just the latest public official to explicitly articulate it. And what a bunch of fools. I know. Particularly when abortion restrictions include rape exceptions, uh, they're often written in the way that the forces women to prove that they were legitimately sexually assaulted. This is a standard requirement for state-level bans on Medicaid funding for abortions. Many states force rape victims to produce a police report in order to get their abortions covered, under the particular exemption. And in 2013, when House Republicans passed the national 20-week abortion ban, it included a provision that exempted rape victims as long as they can prove they filed a report with authorities. This pops up in, in legislation outside of abortion rights, too. New Mexico recently floated a bill that would have required women to prove they were forcibly raped in order to receive child care assistance. Child (sighs) resulting from sexual assault. Oh my God. Jesus. And uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, considered a similar requirement for rape victims seeking an exception to rape at the state's cap on welfare benefits, requiring them to prove they reported this assault to the cops in order to bypass the state's benefit reduction for additional kids. Wow. (laughs) Sexual assault prevention experts. Point out that since rape is a vastly underreported crime, the majority of them are never reported to authorities. According to Raymond. this type of policies don't work in practice. According to one study, for instance, just 37 percent of the women who qualify for eligible abortions under Medicaid's exemptions actually end up getting their procedures funded by the program. Even outside of the policy realm, there plenty of evidence that Americans use sexual assault on somewhat of a spectrum of legitimacy. For years, activists have been trying to make the point that acquaintances, rapes...
0: Acquaintance rapes or date rapes are just as serious as sexual okay. assault perpetrated by strangers who use a weapon like a knife or a gun. But according to a recent survey, it's not uncommon for people to assume that date rape isn't as heinous of a crime as actually simply the victim's fault.
1: So, anyway, we got a problem. That's really a
0: problem. How about a little good news on the Postal Service? Oh,
1: that would be good.
0: For congressional Republicans and U.S. Postal Service executives who have been trying to gut the Postal Service and denigrating the work of the men and women who keep the meal moving ought to take a listen to the American public. A recent Gallup poll found that Americans rate the Postal Service highest among 13 government agencies. The most surprising finding is that young people have the highest praise, with 81% of 18- to 29-year-olds giving USPS excellent or good marks. Postal Worker President Demons, Mark Diemenstein said, Pundits have convinced many people that the future of the postal service is bleak because young people consider it irrelevant, but this poll shows the opposite is true. Overall, the Postal Service scored a 72% excellent or good rating. The USPS won high marks despite efforts by the Postmaster General and Board of Governors to dismantle it, degrade service standards, close mail processing plants, and despite ongoing threats to end Saturday mail delivery. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Postmaster General... Well, that's what he was put in place for, and to what it a be What a useless
0: jerk. piece of work. What a piece of work. Yeah, our post office is wonderful. Yeah, we, Where we, we live. Here. Oh, uh, I go in there all the time and say, I support the post office. I <laughs> yeah, do. I send yeah. all my things to the post
1: office because I we want know. them to get the
0: business and
1: stay in business. That's true. That's true, and we do. We really do. But uh, let me go along here. Oh boy. Um, what's going on? I don't know. Okay.
0: All kinds of things um, there.
1: Yeah, lots of things. Uh, yeah, a lots, lot of things. Uh, Uh, Wisconsin fights back against criminalization of pregnant women. Interesting. Um, Wisconsinites fight back against the criminalization of pregnant women. That was an interesting article. Yeah. Kamara um, Larcher. Was uninsured suffering from health effects of an untreated thyroid condition and using methamphetamines to self-medicate. She also started to suspect she was pregnant. So she went to a hospital in her home state of Wisconsin, hoping to take a pregnancy test and get some help managing the mental health issues coming from her hypothyroidism. Then she was sent to jail for 17 days. That's because under a 1998 state law, Widely referred to as a cocaine mom law, Wisconsin is allowed to arrest and detain women if they are pregnant and admit to using drugs or alcohol. It's a particularly sweeping example of a fetal harm measure legislation in place across the country that cracks down on women for allegedly endangering their pregnancies.
0: This week, several reproductive rights and legal groups filed a civil rights lawsuit on behalf of Lordshire. Challenging the controversial cocaine mom law. The National Advocates for Pregnant Women, the Carr Center for Reproductive Justice, and the Perkins Cole Law Firm say that the measure infringes on pregnant women's fundamental rights to liberty and privacy. Mrs. Lautscher's experience, experience reflects how profoundly this Wisconsin law disrespects pregnant women. Sarah Answorth, the Director of Legal Advocacy at the National Advocates for Pregnant Women, a group that's been fighting against these type of uh, fetal endangerment charges for years, said in this statement.
1: According to the lawsuit after Lauscher disclosed her past drug use for hospital staff, they passed along her confidential medical information to state authorities without her consent. And within days of her trip to the hospital, state officials allegedly filed a petition accusing Washer of abuse of an unborn child and appointed an attorney to represent the interest of her 14-week-old fetus. She ended up in jail and at one point was placed in solitary confinement without any access to thyroid medication. Or the prenatal care yeah. she needed. Even, even, no even now
0: that she's out of jail, there are some concerns about the lasting consequence of a potential child abuse charge. Laucher is currently a certified nursing assistant, but she won't be allowed to work in the healthcare sector if she has that charge on her record, according to NAPW. The advocacy group has identified at least 15 other cases of pregnant Wisconsin women being detained between 1973 and 2005 for allegedly endangering their fetuses and newborns by using illicit
1: substances. Last year, the group filed a lawsuit on behalf of Wisconsin resident, Alicia Beltran, who was arrested at 14 weeks pregnant after disclosing previous prescription pill addiction. Right. And it, it, this, this article goes on, but, you know, if you're pregnant and you need help, don't, don't say that you've taken drugs. At least not at
0: the hospital. Don't tell
1: the hospital because they'll, they'll just leak
0: That's it, in and, Wisconsin, I and guess. You're
1: dead. That doesn't happen
0: here. We don't have
1: that one. It might. No, we don't have that one. No? It might. I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, whether or not it's a good move, I don't know. Okay. Okay, I think I want to...
0: Factory farms are not only cruel to
1: animals. They
0: are unsustainable models that allows dangerous disease to spread.
1: If you choose to eat meat, please by pasture raised meat options.
0: Yeah, That's much nicer for animals. They should have a happy life.
1: Why, well, they still get chopped up and sold for bacon? They, that's you know, terrible, so. but... <laughs> at least, well, they, why do at they they least have, they're happy. Why should they have to why suffer? Why don't they still? eat junk food like all the fat Americans do? Hmm. Well, yeah,
0: are you know why should they suffer like
1: that and those factory sums are terrible Obama's joke to the troops completely bombed mm-hmm. that least on faces I don't I see what i that well he's very awkward I think uh, he's stupid stuff but you know Okay. I wonder what he said will It's probably in a video. Let's listen to it. Okay, wait. If it comes up, I'll do it. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, you get a Honda Accord. Unfortunately, Unfortunately Did got to listen to the stupid ad, do ad. But do
2: Yesterday, things.
1: But do mcguire Did Lakehurst in New Jersey... President Obama tried to crack a joke with the groups, only to be met with impassive faces and complete hybrid. silence. Obama began you by talking about the groups' the the true sacrifice serving overseas must. to, to help He go, says, "We are free and a safe gap. and secure you here can because of war you serve You'll over there." Harder. He said, "That's the noble spirit of your sacrifice. That's the selfless character of our military." They'll so start something special today. great deal of the Honda Accord. I wish Ford they were to put these horrible yeah, commercials in that on his head. Just X it out. No, I can't. Do the is out everything. Oh. During the holidays. Okay, here we are. Turn it up. We can gather with family and friends because you're
2: willing to hug yours goodbye and step forward to serve. After a long day, we can come home because you're willing to leave your home and deploy We get to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and holidays, go to soccer games, go to dance recitals, because you're willing to miss those of your family. We're free and safe and secure over here because you're willing to serve over there. That's the noble spirit of your sacrifice. That's the selfless character of our military. Those are the precious gifts that you give America, not just this time of year, but all year, every year. You never stop serving. You never stop giving. You guys are like Santa in in fatigues. Although I'll bet uh, one of those C-130s is a little more efficient than uh, uh, Santa's sleigh. I figured I'd got to get something out out of our guys on that. I also
1: want
0: to be... Well. Well, I don't get that one.
1: No, I don't care. It's just a, you know, uh, typical work. Well,
0: it was a typical speech, and, you know, it was okay.
1: He supported them because they were doing a good job. Yeah, <laughs> now, where, he got, where he got the problem was when he said, the joke completely bombed His none of the truth even a smile Obama my butt's lip. Although... I'll bet one of those C-130s is a little more efficient than Santa's sleigh, With that, someone whoops and gets a few smiles. But he he's bombed more times than, than not. Far in I think he's
0: awkward. I think I think
1: it's like you know Bush was the same way. Mm. Yeah. You know? huh. Is it is an interesting thing? How will you remember President Obama? Five terrorists for a bully. off. Or Bo... Ber- uh, Bo Bergdahl. He's the
0: guy
1: that they... Yeah, they traded. He traded. VA ineptitude. Uh, Obamacare disaster. <laughs> NSA weeks. The uh, AP. Okay. I don't know what, what that, that is. is. The IRS scandal. The Benghazi cover-up. Unemployment. Fast and furious in the 117. Uh, the $17 trillion debt. that. That's how I remember Obama. I think
0: the NSA leaks, the National Security Agency leaks, that's going to ruin yeah, yeah, but, his uh, presidency. But, but the biggest way you remember him is
1: he was the only, probably the, the, the first and only black American president. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably what you guys remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know. Oh my God. The press proposed more snacks. This is funny. <laughs> yeah. The UBA asked for attorneys how to, to come up with solutions for rape and frats proposed more snacks. Uh, that was their solution? Oh, well, yeah, it looks like it. You know, <laughs> frats proposed more snacks. Okay. Uh, hang, hang on a second. Let me get this running. Ooh. Once after, Rolling Stone published a harrowing account of gang rape that took place inside a fraternity at the University of Virginia, parts of which have been called into question after conflicting details of the story emerged. The school administration is enlisting fraternities to help with damage control. On November 22nd, University uh, President Teresa Sullivan issued a moratorium on Greek activity until January 9th. Uh, through the, though the fraternity under fire is still housing students, in the manner that the University intra Fraternity Council branched on a list of reform party regulations to lift the suspension of activity. <coughs> and the proposed party regulations, which were presented to UVA President Teresa Sullivan on Tuesday, December sixteenth, were recently sent to think progress of an ISC official who spoke on the condition of anonymity because they wanted to authorize to speak with uh, reporters. Sullivan will review the list. Okay, and uh, I think progress contacted these things. Okay, these proposals focused on eliminating factors that enable sexual assault, like drinking and party culture, rather than addressing its root causes of modifying campus policies that have expelled students in the past decade for cheating and never for rape. They are no liquor at parties after 8 p.m., Food and water to be provided at every party. Three sober brothers required to every, at every party. They will have to wear a uniform of some sort that will be consistent throughout the ISC. Okay. Doors of parties are to be worked by third-party security firms enlisted are required to have a record of who is in attendance. And five, one of the sober brothers needs to have a key access to all rooms in the house. Now, this is going to be a big way to, uh, to help parties okay. go. Outside. Yeah, well,
0: boy, what a lot of fun, huh? They're trying to make
1: our parties safer, which is a great goal, and they reduce the, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> the risk of having people being too drunk. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, uh, this reminds me so much of, this, like, high school kids, you know. Uh, how
2: do you make parties safer?
1: I oh, yeah, well, you know, yeah, don't get drunk. We have more snacks. <laughs> yeah? Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a union. I, less than, This is from ASME. Less than six months after Chicago taxi drivers first came together with ASME to form their own organization, the City <coughs> Council of Chicago passed a far reaching reform package that will provide immediate economic relief to every Chicago cab driver. Good. I okay, think that's good. You yeah. know? And, uh,. Um, the Taxi Fairness Ordinance of will to, or 2014 will boost drivers' income by reducing lease rates, reducing fines, and providing drivers with a share of taxi advertising revenue. Oh,
0: that's good. In addition,
1: the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection committed to reducing credit card fees and to re, re, uh, sorry, and to revising rules and fines that have long denied drivers due process. The average driver will see an annual savings of five to $8,000 as
0: a direct result. Good. These reforms won't hurt the city of consumers, said cab driver Nimandi Uwazi, but they will help the 12,000 drivers in the city of Chicago to provide a better life for our family. The measure enacted by Taxi Fairness Ordinance resulted from demands that drivers identified and proposed to the city in a letter signed by nearly 100 drivers who attended the first meeting of Trap Cab Drivers United asked me council 31 last June the drivers presented their demands at a series of meetings with the taxi commish- commissioner spoke out at a town hall meeting and met with dozens of aldermen and organized an action that brought hundreds of CDU activists out on the street to protest the treatment at the hands of city authorities. The efforts were supported by thousands of AFSCME sisters and brothers who came out to support the call of justice and dignity at a rally during the July National Convention. The ordinance is a testament to what drivers can achieve when they come together, said to Council 31 Associate Director Tracy Abman. Cab Drivers United kicked off
1: in June, signed up. Uh, more than 3,500 drivers in just a few months, and together today, we've taken this important step toward We're excited uh, for. We're excited to keep building our union to help drivers solve problems, with respect and better uh, provide their vital public service to all of Chicago. I think that's great that they they'll increase their their. Uh, the savings by five to eight thousand dollars a year. I
0: don't know how much they make a year, but that's a big Yeah, but 100%. that's tremendous for
1: all the all the things, problems that we're getting. You know, don't you? Oh, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great to see that, just because they joined the union. You know? So anyway, do yes, because, you have to deal with corporations are not concerned with common good? Yeah, Okay, this is a good, good way to end it. We have to grasp that corporations are not concerned with common good. They exploit, pollute, impoverish, repress, kill, and lie to make money. They throw poor people out of their homes, let the uninsured die, wage uh, useless wars for profit, poison and pollute the ecosystem, slash social assistance programs, gut public education, thrash global economy, plunder uh, treasury, and crush all popular movements. That uh, crush, rather, uh, Alpha Group Moves, they seek justice for working men and women. They worship money and power. Hmm. And, um, let's see, I'm just trying to get a word Yeah, this sort of rule. From what? Uh, it's uh, Chris, Chris Hedges.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And yeah, the rules is the book, I guess. That was interesting. But anyway, I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. And, uh you know, thanks. Enjoy the rest of your evening, folks. And
0: Leo may I talk to you tomorrow or we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I
1: think so. And we'll talk next week. And, uh, anyway, have a pleasant evening and uh, good night.